Welcome back to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, back from a hiatus and recording from a very snowy Flathead Valley. It's Friday, November 4th. The second week of November brings politics to the forefront of the minds of millions of Americans. Not that it's not already there a lot these days. But on Tuesday, those who have not already voted early or by mail will have the opportunity to line up at a polling place and cast their ballots for local, state, and national candidates to represent them for the next couple years. Here in Flathead County, nearly 22,000 ballots have already been received by the local election office as of Thursday afternoon, meaning tens of thousands of eligible voters have yet to turn in a ballot or are waiting for Tuesday. Montanans are voting for a full slate of legislative candidates, as well as for members of the Public Service Commission, Supreme Court, and our new Western Montana Congressional District to send a second representative to the House next year. Joining me to bring some thoughts on this year's elections is Flathead Beacon Managing Editor and Director of our election coverage, Tristan Scott. But before I bring on Tristan, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here at the podcast studio, and they can do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, there's some extra perks too. Find out more or join today. Visit beaconeditorsclub.com. Joining me now in the podcast studio is managing editor Tristan Scott, who directs all of our election coverage here at The Beacon. Tristan, thanks for coming up here. Hello, Micah. Thank you for having me. It's been so long since you've introduced me on a pod. I've forgotten <laughs> the warm, fuzzy feelings that I get from from this experience. So yeah, thanks for having me on again. Well, I appreciate you coming up and chatting for a little bit about the election. We are only a couple days out. The election is on Tuesday, so three days out by the time people listen to this. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about all of the races going on and just what exactly you've been you've been hearing as you've been doing election coverage. But to start, you've been a journalist in Montana for a number of years. Do you have uh, a ballpark figure of how many elections you've covered at this point? Oh, I have no idea. All I know (laughs) is that uh, every couple of years on Tuesday, the pizza boxes arrive and I'm expected to uh, provide our readership with some some modicum of of knowledge and information you know the the most prominent question that i always get from from readers and from local voters on uh the on the lead up to elections is which candidate is going to win uh, <laughs> which of course is the one question that nobody can answer with any degree of certitude at least not in any of the competitive races so i tend to resort to a lot of vamping about historic voter turnout um, and then parrot, you know, any interesting points that my much smarter colleagues uh, are making. But, you know, I, I don't know that I've learned much, but it sure is a lot of fun to cover, Micah. We'll, we'll be looking forward to spending election night here with you and those pizza boxes. But let's start with some of those basic things that we can talk about. Voter turnout historically in midterm election years, this being one of them, is uh, relatively low compared to our big presidential cycles every four years. But I know that uh, we've already got 20,000, 22,000 
ballots already submitted for Flathead County voters. Uh, what are trends looking like to you? Are we looking like it's going to be a big year or a low year in terms of voter turnout? Well, as you noted, you know, midterm elections tend to be uh, quite a bit uh, lower in terms of turnout uh, compared to elections where there's a, a, a presidential race on the ballot. However, uh, with the amount that Flathead County has grown in the last couple of years, uh, you mentioned that figure 22,000. I believe when I checked in with the Flathead County Election Department this afternoon, they had tallied 21,500 mm. ballots. Now that's out of uh, about uh, uh, 69,000 registered active voters. Uh, so that would be about 31% turnout right there of the ballots that have been accepted so far. And uh, that's uh, that's of 49,197 ballots that that they sent out. So a fair number of ballots starting to uh, starting to to be returned. You know, um, w- if you look at the number of uh, registered active voters, uh, 69,000 compared to uh, in 2018 when there were uh, just over 60,000. I mean, that's a huge no, that's a huge uptick in in registered voters. So we've we do have a new segment of voters, these newcomers to the Flathead Valley uh, that that arrived during the pandemic and and continue to arrive. And uh, we don't quite know how they vote yet. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what whether we get a, a higher turnout than usual during this midterm cycle, and whether these whether these new arrivals tend to be uh, Republicans or Democrats. You have spent a lot of time talking with with officials at the county elections office, as well as candidates across the county and voters. What are some of the things that you've been hearing that people are talking about and interested in, not just specific candidates, but what are people talking about issue wise and just election hubbub overall? Well, now that people have received their ballots and they've had time to review them, not only the the local races, but also some of the ballot issues. I've been getting a lot of questions from readers. The biggest race on the on the docket is the uh, the race for Montana's new congressional district, um, which is the Western District, and that race features Republican Ryan Zinke, Democrat Monica Trinnell, and Libertarian John Lamb, and that is definitely uh, what most of the hubbub that I'm mm. hearing is about. Ryan Zinke, of course. Being from the Flathead Valley, he uh, went to high school and played football in Whitefish. Still lives there, and um, and then uh, Monica Trinnell, the Democrat, you know, is is pretty new to the scene, and so people are learning a lot about her, um, trying to gauge uh, whether she's moderate enough to uh, serve a purple slash red slash now you know sort of deep crimson. Crimson state like Montana, and so that's been interesting. And in just in the last you know couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of activity from both of those candidates. Ryan Zinke held a rally last weekend uh, at an event featuring prominent Republicans, including Governor Greg Gianforte, U.S. Senator Steve Daines, uh, Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen, and uh, Trinnell. Meanwhile, held a Get Out the Vote rally last Saturday. Uh, where she was knocking on doors, along with sort of an entourage of staffers and volunteers, many of whom are middle-aged working moms, which is a Hmm. departure from the traditional sort of cadres of young-blooded political campaign operatives that we're used to seeing. And I think Trinnell is really hoping that voters key in on those optics, especially 
with her being a mother herself and with abortion figuring so prominently into voters' decision-making as we head into uh, election day. And, you know, I should say that uh, Trinnell has endorsements, recent endorsements from some prominent Republican figures, including Mark Roscoe, who is the two-term, Montana's former two-term Republican governor, Mm. who, upon leaving office, worked as a high-profile lobbyist uh, for notable clients, including Enron, you've heard of them, and then served as the chair of the Republican National Committee from 2002 to 2003, after the George W. Bush re-election campaign appointed him. So he's not exactly a Republican <laughs> light. He has, over the course of several years, begun denouncing the uh, the Republican platform that Trump has transformed. And we've also seen endorsements for Trinnell from Bob Brown, who is the former Montana Secretary of State and former Senate President. Um, So like I said, these guys aren't exactly Republican light, uh, but I don't know whether their endorsements mean that much for Montana's segment of new voters and then people who pay close attention to this kind of stuff like us who track the state's political climate. They might be a bit desensitized at this point as we've seen a trend of establishment GOP leaders sort of gradually shifting towards center, um, particularly as a a broad swath of of the GOP refused to disavow a lot of the really outlandish Trump-centric talking points about rigged elections that uh, that we've seen in some of the, the more prominent national races. You know, meanwhile, Zinke did not perform particularly well during the primary among the GOP's conservative hardliners, particularly in the Flathead Valley, where he lost to Dr. Al Olszewski. So he'll be looking to draw support from those those hard right Dr. Al voters without bleeding any of his support to libertarian mm. candidate John Lamb, who Democrats are really hoping to siphon support away from uh, in order to narrow the margin between him and Trinnell. You know, Trinnell has been kind of barnstorming the western half of the state um, with uh, with John Lamb in tow. And although those two candidates do not see eye to eye on policy uh, policies, uh, this gives her an opportunity to. Uh, to both portray Zinke, who she's invited to, you know, a couple dozen of these events that she frames as debates, their um, their town hall style forums, uh, gives her an opportunity to cast Zinke as a no show, while also uh, giving Lamb, who spent no money in this cycle, an opportunity to uh, to really uh, lift his name in terms of recognition, get his message out there. So. You know, he's a bit of a wild card, and I keep hearing political prognosticators uh, harken back to 2012 when, you know, John Tester uh, was the incumbent Democrat being challenged by former House Rep Denny Reberg, the Republican. And in that race, uh, Libertarian Dan Cox drew 6% of the vote, which is certainly enough to, uh, to tip the scales towards, towards Tester. So whether or not we'll see a repeat of that. Uh, next week is uh, yet to be determined, but that's certainly, I think, um, when it, when people are trying to read the tea leaves, that's one factor that they're mm-hmm. considering. Members of the media often like to hype up elections and say, you know, this is the most important election. This one's going to change the future of of your state or of your community. And in in our case, this is a very different election because of that congressional race. Montana will effectively double its voting power and representation. Uh, in Congress, and that hasn't been done in in several decades. So this will definitely be an, an important race uh, for everybody to watch. 
looking down the ballot as we get a little bit uh, smaller, statewide races, legislative races, some of the other ones we're paying attention to include the uh, PSC, the Public Service Commission, a race that a lot of people don't think about often unless it becomes a major talking point of the election cycle. And you covered that uh, pretty in depth over the last couple of months. Can you give us a quick overview of what that position does and why it's uh, such a big talking point here? Surely. I think voters may be paying closer attention to the Public Service Commission's District 5 race, at least here in the Flathead Valley, because District 5 includes Flathead mm-hmm. County as well as Lake County. Uh, and they'll be paying closer attention because the two candidates on the ballot are both from here. We've got Democrat John Repke, who's a, a, a businessman um, and a, a financier from Whitefish, and then uh, Annie Bukacek, who is a physician um, and uh, previously served on on the Flathead City County Health Board, where she gained a lot of attention uh, for her positions opposing vaccines to the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as um, some other um, theories that she espoused, um, mostly surrounding the CDC fabricating information. Uh, And then she's also uh, a very outspoken anti-abortion advocate. Um, So not your typical candidate to see running for a commission that regulates the state's utilities and um um and yet she's got enormous name recognition and a huge following among again this hard right contingent of voters mm-hmm. uh, repke meanwhile a democrat from whitefish is trying to promise voters that he's going to go into the psc and actually do the work of this commission which for years now has sort of been uh, characterized through a series of scandals involving former as well as sitting members. Uh, he's hoping to, to kind of clean house and says that he's the only one with, uh, with the experience to do so. He's cast Bukacek as, um, as a politicker who's really just interested in, um, in gaining that prominent position, which also comes with, uh, with a very nice paycheck. <laughs> One of the other statewide races on the ballot is for the Montana Supreme Court, which has also been one race that has drawn a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, politicking kind of back and forth for a race that some people uh, might not expect to see that much politicking as it is technically a nonpartisan race. But do you want to talk about our Supreme Court races? Right. And yeah, as you as you just said, there are there are actually two races for the state Supreme Court on the ballot. But uh, which, of course, is the state's independent judiciary and is ostensibly nonpartisan. Um, but one of the seats held by former Republican lawmaker Jim Rice is not thought to be competitive. The other, however, between incumbent Justice Ingrid Gustafson and challenger James Brown has been very competitive with lots of uh, lots of money pouring in uh, to both candidates from very partisan groups. Um mm. You know, and of course, this co- all comes in the context of the U.S. Supreme Court's Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade, leaving abortion rights up to the states. And Montana has kind of stood out as an island of access in the northern Rocky Mountain states because it uh, abortion is guaranteed by individual privacy rights that are made explicit in our state's constitution, which was reframed in 1972. So the only real path for Republicans in Montana uh, to restrict abortion access, which is a, a, a plank that they have 
um, made no bones about this. That is their ultimate goal, including our our governor and our uh, attorney general. Their only path to restricting abortion access is by winning a legislative supermajority, which they are uh, within just two seats of doing in both uh, chambers of the legislature. That would allow them to put constitutional amendments on the ballot without Democratic support. Uh, or they can propose a constitutional convention to revamp the state's 1972 document. And then the other path is by getting the Montana Supreme Court to overturn the uh, 1999 ruling affirming abortion rights, those privacy rights uh, that allow uh, abortion access, which the state's attorney general and the governor uh, have asked the court to reverse. So even though the difference of one justice won't make an immediate difference, I think the fear among supporters of abortion rights is that in five or 10 years, that hard right element might uh, dominate the court, which will be the last defense to abortion access. And that's so that's why I think a lot of uh, both a lot of money and, and uh, time have been spent promoting both candidates. And that's why a lot of voters are going to be looking at that wondering, well, hey, why have I heard so much about these two candidates where, uh, you know, aren't, aren't they supposed to be uh, aren't they supposed to be nonpartisan? Well, they are. But we do elect our Supreme Court justices here in Montana. And so uh, politics inevitably creeps into to those races. Well, continuing down the ballot, uh, one of the bigger races in the county is the Flathead County Commission race, uh, which I've written about at length. It does feature uh, the incumbent Pam Holquist being challenged by another Republican, Jack Fallon, who has mounted a write-in campaign. Uh, that will be a very interesting race to watch, as in the primary, they were only separated by 42 votes. But looking lastly to the legislature, we're going to be going into a new legislative session come January. So a whole new slate of people will be coming on board. Uh, a lot of them are familiar names, though. Can you give us a quick overview of some of the candidates we'll be seeing on the ballot and likely seeing in Helena? Sure. Then when you say likely seeing in Helena, I think you're referencing the Flathead Valley's pretty uh, reliable tendency to elect Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, we we actually only have one. Uh, we o- we only have one elected Democrat in all of Flathead County, and that's Dave Fern in Whitefish, which is a tiny little uh, bastion of uh, progressivism in the Valley. And he is being challenged um, by a candidate, Republican candidate, a woman in Whitefish who has been campaigning pretty hard. Um, Her name's Lynn Bennett. And uh, as Dave, as Fern seeks this fourth term in Whitefish's house district, this is HD5 now that includes Whitefish. uh, She's going to look to to try and draw some support away from, of course, Fern has won his district by uh, 56%, 69%, and then I believe 60% um, of the vote uh, going back to 2016. So he is very popular in his district, and uh, and I think he'll 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 likely succeed there. But in the rest of the races, you know, it really doesn't look good for uh, for Democrats. Of course, in Columbia Falls, where incumbent Braxton Mitchell hopes to be reelected, mm-hmm. his challenger is a young Democrat. You know, he's a he's 22. His his challenger is a young Democrat. I think she's 25 or 26, named Andrea Getz, and she's been running, I think, a very effective campaign, doing lots of get out the vote rallies, really making herself known. Um, whether or not uh, she has enough support to upset that district is yet it remains to be seen however prior to Braxton Mitchell's 
uh, election. It was held by a Democrat named Zach Perry, who gave it up because he actually moved out of state to go back to graduate school. Um, uh, and then prior to that, it was held by Jerry O'Neill, who's a longtime uh, Republican legislator known best for introducing some some sort of outlandish uh measures that never actually they all got none of them were ever passed into law uh, but he held that seat for multiple terms um so that district which includes the north fork of the flathead and then all the way east towards essex um is always a little bit of a wild card so i'll certainly be watching that um and uh and then courtney sprunger uh a republican who was uh sort of shamed by uh the flathead county republican establishment candidates and uh, did not receive their endorsement um, is going to be is going to be running against a Democrat in Kalispell's downtown district that that district was previously held by former police chief Frank Garner. So that's a that's a prominent position. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking to see if Sprunger, who's really come through, come across as a, a more uh, solutions oriented Republican candidate, uh, whether she's going to uh, take that district. Well, Tristan, I really appreciate you coming up and sharing some of your insights and commentary on the upcoming election. Historically, Flathead County does not report results in a super timely manner, so we could be in for a uh, late night on Tuesday. Um, but I'm excited to spend it with you and uh, see the returns coming in. So thanks for coming up. Sure thing. I think that, you know, we also have a temperature low of minus one on Tuesday. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see how that affects our our ballot couriers mm. as they navigate a, a sprawling district. But good to be here. Thanks uh, for all. A big thank you to Tristan Scott for taking the time to come upstairs to the podcast studio and share his insights on the upcoming election. Like he said, we will be here on election night until fairly late in the evening, enjoying some pizza and waiting for returns to come in. And we will have all of those results and analysis the next day on flatheadbeacon.com. I'll also do my best to live tweet any updates we get. So if you don't already follow us on Twitter, you can do so. In addition, if you have not yet voted in this year's election, Tristan has compiled a voter guide for the Flathead Valley you can find that linked in the show notes or online at flatheadbeacon.com. That's all I've got for you today. We should be back on a regular podcast schedule from here on out, and especially as some exciting stories that lend themselves well to the audio medium come about, I'll make sure to put in some great work and try to put out some content that you enjoy listening to. As always, stay up to date on all the latest local news online at flatheadbeacon.com. You can also subscribe to our daily newsletter that goes out every afternoon. If you haven't already, the link is on the website. This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew. And music in this episode includes songs by local Flathead Valley artist, Mike Murray, who was written about in the Flathead Beacon just last week. That's the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>